Writer Media Group Original. by I don't think of you Maybe in space outside of time you think of me too Well I know that you forgive me because you live with the sun mm-hmm. And he's told you all about me And the battle that he won So I could come be with you At the table of love You're listening to Your Day Brighter, the podcast. Real reasons to have hope in this world. My name is Tracy Tiernan and... Yeah, that's me. (laughs) That's my song um, from a solo project that I did. I am a a singer and a songwriter, and uh, I did a a solo project a couple of years ago. And one of the most personal songs on that project was uh, that song. It's called Baby. And I wrote that song about the baby that I decided to abort about 27 years ago. And so this episode is going to get very personal. I'm going to share a little bit of my story. Bear with me <laughs> if I get uh, a little emotional. I'm, I'm hoping um, that by sharing my story, it might free some people up to share theirs as well and to find some healing. Like I feel like I have in my life. I'm so grateful to God for that. Um, I'll also be speaking with a little later on in the podcast uh, her name is Pam Palumbo, a friend of mine who is the executive director of the Pregnancy Clinic Minister Ministry, also known as Wellspring Life. And uh, they've got three different centers in, um, in Maryland, and um, they do really great work in helping women and men who um, are dealing with a crisis pregnancy and to choose life. Now, I'm not going to get political on this podcast. I'm going to get personal on this podcast. All I can share with you is my experience, my story, and talk to someone who's been working in this um, arena for 40 years. Um, That's what Pam Palumbo brings to this podcast. So a lot of expertise, a lot of heart, a lot of love, a lot of love. You're going to find a lot of love here in this podcast. And so um, thank you so much for joining me. It is your day brighter, the podcast. And, um, and I also play the rest of that song, baby, at the very end so that you can hear it. But I just wanted to give you a little taste of something very, very personal from my heart. So let's jump in. Okay, so promised you um, that I was going to start by sharing a bit of my story. And uh, I was living a much different life (laughs) about 27 years ago. And um, I used to say like my theme song, if I had a theme song, it would have been um, that old country song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. Remember that one? 
And, um, and I was just, you know, trying to figure it out in my life. Um, I did not have a history of good relationships. I was um, married for a brief time when I was 21 years old and married really my, my first boyfriend. We had met when I was 16 years old. So um, it was not uh, a healthy relationship and that was not a wise decision. Um, and I, I went basically from that unwise decision into making other really poor decisions and jumping into another unhealthy relationship. And I own my responsibility here. I'm not going to um, on, come on the podcast and tell you, oh, just how awful everyone was to me and I'm a victim. Um, I own my share of the unhealthiness and uh, the choices that I made. And I also will own the grace that God has offered me in my life. Uh, really what made all of the difference for me from just kind of repeating this cycle of um, poor choices and giving my heart away um, where it wasn't loved or treasured or respected. What, what broke that pattern and cycle in my life was really being serious about coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ and um, kind of surrendering to him my story. And what I found in him was mercy. And mercy is when you don't get what you know you deserve. Um, grace is when you get what you don't deserve. And God had plenty of that for, for me, plenty of both of those things. He still does. He has those things for you too, by the way. Um, and I'm just, I'm grateful. I am one grateful girl today. It's, a, it's hard to fathom. I've actually been in uh, ministry now for over 20 years, um, on the radio for almost 20, but even longer than that in ministry, um, speaking, um, leading worship, writing, all kinds of creative communication. That's sort of my, my passion is to creatively communicate the gospel at all times. And if you had told me <laughs> 27 years ago that this is what I'd be doing today, I, I wouldn't have believed it. I would have thought there was just no way that God could use me. And yet, here I am, only by his grace. So let me take you back and introduce you to the girl that I was about 27 years ago. <laughs> I was uh, I was living with my boyfriend. I was in a bad situation. It was not a, a good relationship. And we were not married. We were um, having sex. And he was actually told that he couldn't have children naturally. And so we didn't use any kind of protection. And I got pregnant and we were stunned. We were shocked because he was told that that was not possible, but it was possible and it happened. And I remember uh, telling him the news and he was angry. Um, there was no celebration with this news. He was angry and immediately wanted to skip right to the part where we just took care of this problem. You know, he, he said, you know, he'll pay for it. I just need to go take care of it. And I struggled with it. There was something inside of me, even at the time that knew this was not, this was not right. And I remember, I remember laying in bed and putting my hand on my belly and just struggling with God, is there really a life in there? You know, I don't, I don't know what to do. I literally don't know what to do. I, 
Um, I feel rejected. I feel betrayed. I feel betrayed in some ways by my own body. Like I don't even understand how this happened. This was not expected. Um, but then I felt like this, this part of me was being completely rejected by a man I'd given my heart to. And I was feeling pressure and stress. And instead of, I guess, going to talk to someone where I could find maybe some wisdom and some help and some care, I kind of just dealt with it myself for a while. I mulled it over um, in my own mind. I didn't really have a close relationship with God at the time. I wasn't, I could say that I was a believer, but I was not a follower of Jesus. And I didn't really know how to pray about it. I just didn't know how. I didn't know how to get to God. And I felt like there was this big barrier there, especially now that this really obvious problem as a result of my own sin is is in the way. And I felt this huge gap, this huge distance between me and heaven. And I'm just trying to figure it out. And so eventually I did share with a few people and the people that I shared with um, were encouraging me that, you know, yeah, you, you need to, you need to go ahead and get this abortion. This doesn't fit into your life. This is not the right time. There's all kinds of, of reasons and, and rationale that we can come up with when we're in a crisis pregnancy. And they all sound really good. They all sound like good, practical, earthly wisdom. It's not a good time. Uh, you wouldn't be able to support a baby. You don't make enough money. You don't have a, a stable relationship with the father of the baby and the father doesn't want the baby. These, none of these things add up to, oh, yes, let's have a baby. Good time to have a baby, right? So all of this sounds like good, solid, practical, earthly wisdom to me 27 years ago. Um, I thought, yeah, that's that's reasonable. That sounds right. And yet there was still something deep in my soul that was deeply troubled by this. And I kept trying to just ignore it, you know, push it down, push it down. Because after all, all of these wise people, some of them older than me, uh, were counseling me that, no, this, this is a good idea. I need to just go ahead and have the abortion. And so I did. <laughs> I went to a center. I literally went to the Yellow Pages now, for those of you who are so young, you do, you're like, what are the yellow pages? Yeah, there were actually physical phone books <laughs> that were yellow pages that were just nothing but businesses and um, advertisements and places that you could look up to find whatever business that you were looking for. Can you imagine that there was actually abortion clinics in the yellow pages? There was at one time. There was. And I found one, gave them a call, made an appointment, and uh, a friend of mine took me there. I remember sitting in the waiting room. It was very cold. Um, there was not any other options presented to you when you came in the door. Um, they did make it clear about what you were doing, but it was certainly a no judgment zone. It was just kind of like, this is what you came here for. And we're going to, we're going to take care of it. Um, very cold, very simple, almost, almost it was so simple. In fact, it, it definitely took away from the understanding of the, the gravity of what you were about to do. I was about to make a decision to end a life that was growing inside of me. And uh, I, it was like I was trying to disconnect my heart from my head so that I wasn't going to be so emotionally undone doing this, like just keeping like a, a distance from my heart because everything in my heart was telling me this isn't right. But I did it. I did it anyway. Um, and listen, I, I tell you my story now because I don't want you to think that 
I in any way blame other people for the decision that I made. I made the decision. Other people counseled me. I felt um, I felt alone. I didn't feel like I had any support were I to choose something different. But still, ultimately, this decision was mine. It was nobody else's to make. I made it. I remember going in, they, you know, are about ready to, to put you under. Um, and it felt like, you know, if you've ever been put under by uh, anesthesia, it literally feels, feels like a blink and you close your eyes and then you open them. And just like that, um, you have no sense of time. But I remember just closing my eyes and waking up. And I was no longer pregnant. I had uh, pretty bad cramping and um, and some bleeding after that as well. And that uh, went on for a little bit. But I left there. Um, a friend of mine took me to lunch. Okay, so that's done. Let's go to lunch. I mean, really, we were just so ill-equipped to know how to deal emotionally, spiritually, even physically, really, with what had just happened. And so just went to lunch, tried to get my mind off of it. And that's what I did for a, the better part of, gosh, more than a decade. I just tried to get my mind off of what I had done. And yet I would cry myself to sleep. I began feeling disconnected from other people around me. I felt like I had this big secret. And even when I kind of radically changed my life by recommitting my life to Jesus and I started going to church and I ended the relationship with the boyfriend that was living with me. Uh, he was no longer living with me. I, I ended it. I wanted a new life. I wanted to walk with God. Even when I did all of that and my life started changing and I started feeling hopeful and I started feeling even blessed, um, it was the weirdest thing because I felt like I had this big secret from other people that were now accepting me in a Christian community and this big secret from God. Like somehow he didn't know what I did. I mean, I knew what he, he knew, but I wasn't dealing with it with him. I was just kind of sweeping it under the rug. It was this big broken piece of my soul that I was just kind of sweeping under the rug. And let me let me give you an example. It's funny how God will teach us things. <laughs> um, I remember living, I had to move because I couldn't stay in that apartment that I was maintaining with the old boyfriend. I moved and uh, for a short while, I was living in the basement apartment of a friend's house. And I broke a vase. You know, when you break a vase and it's glass all over the floor, you get a broom and you sweep up those pieces and you throw them out, right? Well, I didn't get all the pieces. Months after I broke that vase, I was walking around that kitchen in bare feet and I stepped on a broken piece of glass and it cut me. And I remember sitting down and having to pull it out of my foot. And that happened, you know, months before well, God showed me that that's kind of what I was doing, that it was this broken piece of my life that I wasn't looking at, that I wasn't dealing with, and that I was pretty sure if I tried to deal with it, that people were going to reject me. I felt so ashamed. I just didn't want to talk about it. Fast forward to God is doing amazing things in my life. In 2003, I started to work for an amazing Christian radio station that had been blessing my socks off for years, a station I'd been listening to. And here I had the opportunity to actually be a part of their ministry, WRBS, um, which later became Shine FM, which even more recently, Shine FM, still the same station, the same people, the same ministry, but we now have a new name, um, Bright FM. So I became a part of working for this amazing 
radio station. I am now officially in Christian ministry. I mean, this is my vocation. This is my calling. And I'm involved in my church. I'm on staff at my church. And still, I'm carrying around this secret. I'm not talking to anybody about this thing that happened to me years before. I just figured that that thing had nothing to do with me now, that that's not a part of who I am now, and that we're just going to, you know, keep pushing that under the rug, that God doesn't want me to share about that, that we've got, we've got a new life now. It's all good. It's all good. You hear people say it's all good. But, you know, if you don't deal with the stuff that has deeply scarred your soul, eventually it will come out. Because God is gracious, because he is loving, because he is merciful, he won't let it just lay there. (laughs) He won't. He will want you to look at it, to deal with it, to offer it up because he's so good, because it's in his goodness and his love that he wants us to tend to things that hurt us a long, long time ago. See, here's something that I learned, and that is that um, just because you don't talk about it, just because you're kind of covering it up and not dealing with it, it's not the same thing as actually letting God heal it, right? If you want it to be healed, you got to bring it out into the light. Boy, God was, he was working on me. <laughs> I still wasn't quite ready. And then there was one day that I was actually um, driving home from work uh, from the radio station. And I remember exactly where I was on the road, on uh, Frederick Road in Catonsville. And I was listening to the radio station because I wasn't just somebody that worked here. I, I listened to the radio station, the music. At that time, we had programs on as well. And um, it was really making a difference in my life. It was kind of helping me mature in my faith. And there was a program on, it was like Sanctity of Life Week. And there were all these programs. I mean, honestly, I will tell you that while I was on the air during the day, the programs for Sanctity of Life Week Everything was getting to me. It was annoying me. I didn't want to hear one more person talking about abortion. I didn't want to hear one more, you know, preacher, one more speaker. I was just done. And yet here I'm listening to the radio station in the car on my way home from work. And yet another speaker comes on. I remember it was R.C. Sproul. And he was actually talking about the victim of abortion, not the baby, but the other one, the the mom. I never really heard anybody talk like that before. It was so compassionate. It was so deeply um, humble and full of, of grace. And I didn't hear the judgment perhaps that I had been hearing in some other voices and other programs that I'd been listening to. And I pulled off to the side of the road because I started to cry. And what was like a, a slow steady stream of tears turned into full-on sobbing, (laughs) me in my car on the side of the road, just bawling. And I realized that God had put his finger on that broken piece of glass that he did not want me to sweep under the rug anymore, that he wanted me to bring it into the light and let him bring me healing. And so right there in the car, I prayed, God, okay, I see you will not let this alone I see that it's you, that you're not trying to crush me, that you want to help me. And so I offer this to you, this broken piece of my story, this broken piece of my past, this deep pain, this deep shame. I bring it to you, God. I surrender it to you. And Lord, if um, 
if there's anything that you want to do with my story, if I start talking about it because you want me to, will you use it to save lives? Will you use it to help women who are hurting, who are feeling so alone? Will you use it for your glory? God, if you'll do that, I give it to you right now. And I won't refuse any opportunity that comes my way to share. Just a few months later, I was speaking at a women's retreat for my church. And we were away at a Christian retreat place. And um, I had not planned to talk about this, you guys. I had, not, I had a completely different message that I was going to be giving. But getting ready to speak, I had the most horrendous migraine that I was like in bed with a um, cold rag over my head. My friends were trying to help me out. They were praying for me. I didn't know what was going on. And I was just kind of laying there like, how am I going to speak? How am I going to speak? Well, God made it clear to me that he had a message he wanted to bring through me. And I just needed to be obedient and ready to share my story of my abortion. I even had uh, an illustration that God was giving me laying there in the bed with the migraine. And I sent my friends out on a mission. I said, I need a Barbie doll. Can you go and get me a Barbie doll? And they went out to the store and brought me back a Barbie doll, which I used in my illustration, believe it or not. When I got up there to speak, it was like someone else took over. It was the Holy Spirit. And I shared a story of uh, trying to live up to this ideal, kind of like a Barbie, you know, with a plastic heart and a plastic body and just trying to go through the motions and be perfect. When on the inside, I was really broken. And at the end of my talk, I, I talked about my abortion and how God wanted me to offer that broken piece up to him and that he would bring healing into my life and that Jesus's death on the cross, it paid for that sin and all of my sins. That's, that was not the unpardonable sin. God took care of that by sending his son Jesus to pay the price for all of my sins, even that one on the cross. It was, it was covered. And I shared this message from that stage at this retreat. And when I was done, you could have heard a pin drop. And then slowly, women started to get up and come up to talk to me by the stage. A line formed. I will never forget it. It must have been 30 women, if not more, in line to talk to me about their stories. Think about that. In a room full of close to 200 women, there were maybe 30 to 40 women that had the courage to get up and get in line and talk to me because they found something in my story that they identified with. And woman after woman that I spoke to had a story of pain and shame and an abortion that had marked her life. It was stunning to me. Gosh, when I think back on it now, only God could have orchestrated that moment because he wanted to set people free from their shame. I believe that abortion is the secret sin of the church, that there are so many women, you know what, and men too. I don't want to leave men out of this conversation um, who have been affected by abortion, by crisis pregnancy. So many sitting in the pews and the chairs of our churches all across our country, maybe all over our world, who have a story of pain um, that's a deep, deep, deep buried in their past that they've never really talked about, that they've never really dealt with, that they had all of the reasonable um, excuses as to why they did it at the time. And yet now they recognize that they are um, in bondage 
to the pain and the shame from that decision that they made. That's why I wanted to do this podcast because I wanted to set some people free. I wanted to remind you that there is nothing that you can hide from God. There's nothing about your story that he doesn't know and that you can bring it into the light. You can share with him how you're doing. You can share with him how you feel. You can look at it. You can talk about it with him and you will find mercy and grace in your time of need. You will find a savior who paid the price for all of your sins. Yes, even that one. You will find a savior who wants to bring healing to your life in every part of your life. He wants to bring healing. And so um, I hope, I pray, uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you've got a story too, that God will give you the courage to talk to him about it first and then to invite a wise, discerning, godly counselor counselor or, or godly friend that you can share that story with, someone that can come alongside of you, that can pray with you. There are wonderful organizations too that help women who are post-abortive recover from the trauma of what you went through. And um, if you're on that journey, I'm just praying that you find your healing and that you don't put it off any longer. Um, the longer we put off dealing with trauma, the more that it can impact us, affect our relationships moving forward, and even really affect the intimacy that we have with Christ because we're not, we're not offering up all of our story. Um, he loves you. Everything, everything about you, he knows, and yet he loves you. How amazing is that? With that in mind, I'm going to now transition <laughs> into a conversation that I had with my friend Pam Palumbo. And uh, she is the executive director of what has been known for many years as the Pregnancy Clinic Ministry, and they're now called Wellspring Life. And they've got three um, centers in the Maryland area. And um, you'll be amazed at how our stories have intersected. As you hear, Pam and I have a great conversation. But what I want you to hear is the voice of someone who is helping to bring healing and hope not shame and judgment, healing and hope. Let's jump in my conversation with Pam Palumbo of Wellspring Life. I just have been an admirer of Pam's work for many, many years. Pam is the steadfast, amazing, vibrant executive director of the Pregnancy Clinic Ministry and now called Wellspring Life. But you've been at this work helping women to find hope and healing in a time of crisis pregnancy, um, helping women and men to understand just the, the beauty, the value of life and the gracious support that is actually available to them. Um, you've been at this great work now for 40 years? 40 years, yeah. So you started when you were 11? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Pam, what, what has kept, first of all, what got you into this work? Um, and what has kept you at this work for so many years? Um, well, the church that I was at at the time actually started the, the ministry. And so I was a volunteer from the very beginning. Um, that first six months, they went through two different directors um, who needed to quit for various reasons. 
And so in December of 1982, um, they asked if I would do it for just six months until they found the right person for the job. Oh. I said, sure, I'll do it for six months. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and 40 years later, look at you. <laughs> you didn't have like necessarily a plan to do this. You kind of stepped in to be a gap filler. So oh, what transpired during that time that grabbed a hold of your heart so much that you realized this is where God wants me? Well, it was funny because when they asked me, I said, I do not have the qualifications to do that. You know, my background had been in medical as a, you know, hemodialysis therapist and neurology tech and all different things. And they're like, but you, you know, you have a family and they're in order. You, you know, you're organized and that's what we need right now. And um, so I said, okay. So I did have those things. I could, like I stepped into it at the time and things were much simpler then. And um, I could do that, but God kept bringing people along the way to join the ministry that had those other gifts that I did not have. And I still talk about it today that my, all my staff, like they have more initials after their name than I have in mine, like <laughs> totally. And so he's always done that. God has just provided for this ministry in very amazing ways, Tracy. So I felt like, okay, I can do this because we have Sharon, we have Jennifer, we have, you know, all these different people, Angela, with these other gifts for the parts of the ministry that I certainly don't. Can you describe in, in your words, maybe it's even your mission statement, but what what is the ultimate mission and goal of the pregnancy clinic ministry or Wellspring Life? We are here to reach out in the name of Christ and care for those in unexpected pregnancies holistically, spiritually, physically, emotionally and offer them the support and care and truth about abortion so they can make healthy life affirming decisions. Mm. Gosh, that is so, such a, a beautiful work that you're doing. And um, in all the years that you've been doing this, I mean, the culture's changed a lot. Um, technology has changed a lot. Um, how has all of the changes, I mean, 40 years is a long time to be having the same goal and the same mission and the same work. And yet the way that you do it, I'm sure, has changed with the times. Can you talk a little bit about how differently now women navigate a crisis pregnancy than when you first began? You know, um, we've done some real work in the last few years with strategic planning with our board and staff. And what the first thing we did is we took a step back and we looked at who the woman was that we served 40 years ago in 1982 facing an unexpected pregnancy. And who is that woman today? Yeah. And she's vastly different. Society's different, but even that woman is different. Um, today's woman has grown up with abortion as the answer. That's the answer what she's to do. She's told it's, it's her body to do what's best for her. And then mm -hmm. pretty much just to stuff it down and, and get on with her life. She's also being pressured. This is that instant society. Every, you know, everybody wants things instantly, Instagram and, you know, Snapchat, yeah. everything really fast and quick. She's pressured into making decisions that are quick, just get it over with um, and easy. And so we, um, we kind of talk about, we want to be that cool glass of water in Christ's name that gets her to slow down come on in, have a seat in a very safe place, a place that's warm and welcoming um, and just talk to us, tell us about what's going on with you. Um, and then let's talk about that. Like you're saying that um, 
your boyfriend's pressuring you. Well, well what about if, if he wasn't in if he wasn't in your story right now? Um, would things be different if he wasn't telling you that? Um, you know, you don't feel like you have support from your parents or your family. Well, what if you did? How would things be different? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're afraid that you can't finish college because of this pregnancy. So you're going to have an abortion over your college education. What if you could have both? Um, and try and get her to imagine her future a little different than what she's looking at it as something dark and bleak. And if she doesn't do this, all of those plans um, and hopes that she has would be shattered. Well, what if they wouldn't be? Um, and try and get her to rethink things. Um, that's the one thing too, is we you know are able to let women know that we don't have a financially vested interest in her decision. Um, a lot of other people do. Abortion clinics don't give away abortions. They sell abortions. And so we want her to know that we want her to make the best decision. And it's her, it's her legal right. That's the, the day we live in and the land we live in and the state we live in. Um, and we will acknowledge that to her. But our um, passion is to help women make that best decision because we know it's a forever decision. That no matter what she decides, um, it's going to be with her forever whether she chooses to have the abortion, whether she chooses to carry and, and either parent or adopt. And so we want her to get all that full information before she makes that so that she doesn't have regrets. And we can say that because we can say most of the women here, um, they've been through it in one way or another, something. And we know that we know what that means, that forever decision. And I, I know what that means as well. You know, my story, you and I've known each other a number of years. <laughs> and um, I've been just blessed to uh, observe the some of the fruit from your great work, as I've been a, a part of your fundraising banquets and getting to hear some of the incredible stories of uh, women who have come into your center and they describe just being loved on. Can you tell me what is it like for most young women that come in to one of your centers? Do they understand what you guys are there for? Are they confused? Are they defensive? Are they receptive? Are they surprised when they find that you're offering assistance without um, a price tag attached to it? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I, I would almost say they are all those things that you just yeah. said. You know, they come in for a lot. They're feeling a lot of different things. You know, 40 years ago, there was probably a lot more um, fear um, and crisis than there is now. Just because 40 years ago, um, single parenting wasn't accepted like it is today. And, and you know, a lot of the things that are just accepted today were not. Um but now they still come in uncertain. They're uncertain what to do. Um, they're pressured. They're under a lot of pressure to decide and take an action immediately. They're under pressure to, like, um, on the outside, like we talk about women that are abortion-minded because they have already told us they've got an abortion appointment set up. And so they're determined or abortion-minded. But then we have the bigger group that's abortion-vulnerable. And those are the women that have, um, they're not sure what they want to do. Um, but they're getting a lot of outside pressure from their friends, from the their partner, from their boyfriend, from their husband, from their parents, um, you know, to go ahead and take care of this. And that pressure is, is can be relentless. Um, and so when they come to us, we try and, and relieve that a little bit by letting them know, like, 
we're not going to sit here and tell you, we're not going to preach at you. We're not going to tell you you're going to murder your baby. We're not going to say those things to you. We're not going to tell you what you need to do. Um, we just want to show you what can be um, and what could be and, and to get you to, to look at those things before you make um, this decision. And so we want people to walk out of there and we get a exit interview on everybody that we care for. And 99.9% .9 say, um, thank you for listening to me. Thank you for um, not judging me. Um, I know that I'm probably going to go through with this and, and you don't necessarily think that that's the best answer, but thank you for not judging me. And thank you for letting me feel like you want me to come back again, because we know, unfortunately, that even the women that walk out and have an abortion, 30% will be pregnant within a year to replace that pregnancy. 30%. So, that takes my breath away. And so they're obviously in a pattern, in a, in a, a, a cycle. And it may, maybe it's uh, a relationship that's uh, out of bounds, uh, not good for her. And she's just not making wise choices yeah. to protect herself. Uh, gosh, there's any number of things. Gosh, that just really surprises me. Pam, what's the average age? Um, a lot of people kind of think it's like we're, we always have these young teenagers, but it's really not. Our average client is 18 to 24. Wow. And, you so, have, and there's married women that come in as well. Yes. Yes. Unfortunately. Yes. And, you know, and women that would state that they are Christian and, and have a relationship with Christ as well. So it's not out. It's not only out. It's not outside of the just it's not not outside of the church. How much of a game changer has uh having an ultrasound available been for you? Oh, oh my goodness. That is like the ultimate game changer. Um, you know, back when we started before ultrasound, um, we knew that by offering support and help and education and different things like that, about 30% of the women would change their mind. They'd be like, oh yeah, like, thank you for offering this. I didn't know the baby was this formed, or I didn't know there were these resources or you know, those kind of things. And so there'd be that 30%. And then along came ultrasound that we were able to bring into our offices. Um, and that percent went to 40% to 50% to 60% to pretty close to anywhere between 65 and 70% for us here in, in very liberal Maryland, that we see that women will um, make that mind decision that, um, that they need to not have this abortion. Um, and the, that's the other thing, too, that we are so thankful to organizations such as Focus on the Family um, that help us do their option ultrasound program, offer these ultrasounds. And for us in particular, we have a 3D, 4D ultrasound in each of our offices. So we're able to pick up that heartbeat at like six weeks and three to four days. We're able to get pictures of baby moving at sometimes as early as nine weeks, just depending. Um, and that's becoming more and more crucial as our society moves away from surgical. Um, we are now at the point that in just a handful of years, less than five years, closer more to two or three, that abortions now 60% are done by the abortion pill under 12 weeks. And so there are girls that are missing their period at, at four and a half, five weeks. They're walking into or calling um, for an abortion and getting handed a little brown bag 
um, with the abortion pill at five weeks, they haven't even had a chance to know if their pregnancy is viable, if it's in the right place, if it's an ectopic, if they're even pregnant or if they're having a false positive. And mm -hmm. so those are the things that we really um, are passionate about getting women to slow down enough to wait for that ultrasound to see if that's even the case. What you're doing is is so uh, personal, um, helping the women one-on-one. -on -one. How is your organization involved in trying to change some of these laws that make it so possible and accessible to get a little brown bag with the, I mean, I'm just yeah. blown away by just how easy it can be without really thinking it through. Yeah, every state's different. And I think we're all, what we're all looking for is in June, the Supreme Court's gonna be hearing the case of Dobbs. Um, we do think that Roe v. Wade is gonna, is gonna be overturned. It was, it was founded on um, false, incorrect information at the time. Um, when that happens, we know that there's gonna be babies' lives saved because many states will be able to enact um, laws that change that as we've seen in a few states recently from Texas and um, other things like that, where they've even just brought down the time frame for abortion. Um, however, in Maryland, nothing's going to change for us in Maryland. Maryland is fast becoming one of the destination states in the whole United States for abortion. You can drive as close as Silver Spring and get a abortion up till the birth of the baby. Um, you know, until the birth of the baby. Yeah, yeah. There's no there's nothing stopping them from doing them that late. And they have been known to do third trimester abortions up there. So, and in, in Maryland, um, a girl does not need parental permission or acknowledgement um, that she's getting an abortion. Your 12 year old can walk into Planned Parenthood and be hand, you know, she hands over $350. She can get the abortion pill. She didn't even have to see a physician. Um, we stood, you know, as far as advocacy um, or strong advocates in the political system, in that sense that I go every year and give testimony um, on numerous bills, whether for them or against them, depending on what they are. Um, we are very thankful for Maryland Right to Life, which is um, our number one um, go-to in Maryland to stand um, up there and fight that battle for those um, pre-born babies. Um, this year, the onslaught was absolutely, it was, it was like Niagara Falls of horrible bills, everything all the way up to infanticide. We had legislatures in our Maryland legislation um, supporting and going for infanticide, where if a late, later term abortion happened and the baby was born alive, that that baby could simply be left to die with no issue whatsoever for the medical personnel and, and even beyond that. And so it's hard to describe what some, with the evil, you know, and, and this is all comes down to Tracy that we know that it, this is all um, Satan and um, the battle for life. He doesn't want just one, one life to even live. And so it's very important. And I can't even make that any more clear that, that people do need to let their voices be heard to their mm -hmm. legislator. We can be very thankful for Senator Ed Riley, Senator Brian Simonair, uh, Senator Justin Reedy, who are very, and a few others out there as well, as well as many of our delegates who really fight, and they're on the minority, but they are fighting um, for life and for good things. And so we were able to table the one bill that would have um, codified abortion in Maryland. However, a lot of bad bills slip through. Like right now, you and I are going to be paying for an extra, extra 3.5 million every year 
in training more abortionists in Maryland, um, as well as covering people's costs so that it's free. So there's no reason people won't go ahead and have that abortion. So we are faced with more of those things all the time, but people need to be aware and need to know that um, the squeaky wheel gets, gets, gets it um, an awful lot down there for that. And so your voice does matter. Thank you for explaining that so beautifully. This is just one of the things that I I haven't myself become an activist in the uh, legal arena. And and yet I hear you talk about, I'm just, my mind is kind of blown about how bills like this get passed. It's just not, it's just not even reasonable. No, it's not, not even reasonable. And this is on a state by state level, right? So Even if Roe v. Wade is overturned, it's still right. on a state-by-state level. I, I thank God for you. I just I, I thank God that you are uh, equipped and um, and and ready ready to speak up in in defense of the preborn. I'm ready to to minister to women and men who find themselves in this situation, and no doubt. Over the years, Pam, you you've been a part of so many stories. Your your clinics have been a part of so many stories where people have made um, a different choice and they've chosen life. I know it's probably crazy to ask you to remember one or to pick out one, but but can you tell me just a little little nugget of one that just really has you know grabbed a hold of your heart that you'll never forget? One in particular that I think about a lot was um, a client who was a pastor's daughter. Um, and um, I'm going to call her Imani. Um, and she was um, really set on a on a boarding because she didn't want to shame her family. Oh. She didn't want to shame her family. Um, she didn't want to have the abortion. She was so emotional. But all she felt was that the shame she would bring on her father as pastor, on her church, um, and we had not at that time, this was a number of years ago, we had not been offering ultrasound for very long, but we were really excited um, to show her that what she kept saying is it's just tissue, it'll be okay, I can't bring the shame. Um, but we were able to show her that it wasn't just tissue and instead we're able to show her that 12 week baby um, that was moving that she couldn't feel yet, um, that wasn't just tissue. And today, you know, I know that her daughter, um, Alora, is 18, about to graduate, and the the apple of her grandparents' eye, um, or eyes, her her grandmother and grandfather, um, and you know, so many women that we see, you know, find out they look back that later, and and I know Amani even at that point talks about how Alora kept her grounded. She kept her from continuing to make bad choices in her life because she had somebody else she was then responsible for. And I think about even some of our moms today, you know, we talked a little bit about the abortion pill being 60, almost 60% of the abortions. Well, what we're seeing now too is women are being, this is being pushed on them so quickly, they haven't even had a chance to think through it. So we're, we are now, um, we have our 14th baby due on abortion pill reversal. And that's where women start taking the abortion pill and that first um, drug starts taking effect and it starts making them sick as it removes the progesterone from them. And so they're like, what did I do? I didn't even talk to my partner. I didn't talk to my husband. I just made this decision quick. I don't want to do this. And if they Google abortion pill reversal or stop the abortion or something like that, either will come up or then the national abortion pill reversal 
organization will come up and they can get in contact with the locus localist place to them. And we are able to, we were the first in the state to begin offering abortion pill reversal. And so we're able to do an ultrasound, determine if the pregnancy is still viable. And if it is, go ahead and administer progesterone to her and give her back what that pill is stopping. And so it's a very natural, it's nothing, you know, it's just giving her back that progesterone. And um, in about 60% of the cases, she were able to stop that abortion from continuing and, and help her have a successful, complete pregnancy and a healthy baby. And so um, we have, I think it's 10 that are born already, um, including a little girl that's now in first grade. Wow. Um, and, um, you know, and we see this, we're getting, as the abortion pill has grown, the calls are growing in number, um, you know, from women that are sold a bill of goods. Amazing. That's amazing. Um, Pam, can you tell us how many centers do you guys have now currently? We have three. Uh, our Bowie Crofton Center, um, our Severna Park Pregnancy Clinic. That's the one in the former abortion clinic, you know. You're going to have, okay, so let's double click on that for a second. Tell, tell everyone that story because yeah. it's pretty amazing. Yeah. When we decided to expand out of um, Bowie and Prince George's County and we're looking for a location in Anne Arundel, I was very familiar with the abortion clinic in Severna Park um, from all the people that used to stand out front praying and things like that. And, um, and as I drove by there, there was a sign out front that there was a space for rent. So I thought, well, it's not where I was thinking about, but okay, I'll go look at it. And they showed me a little place down in the first floor, but didn't have a bathroom. And when you do a pregnancy clinic, you really need a bathroom. So I said, no, it's gonna, not going to work. And they said, well, would you like to see the space upstairs? The abortionist just moved out over the weekend and it's empty. And I said, okay. Um, that wasn't anything I'd planned, but I said, okay. And so they showed us the space and we had paid off our property in Bowie. And so we had approximately $1,500 a month. Um, and so we thought we'd get a space about 1500 square feet and we could, we could do just what we did in Bowie. Um, but God had other plans because the space they showed us was 6,000 square feet. They had moved out in the middle of the night. There um, were client records left behind. There were blood stains on the floor. Um, and the space was 6,000 square feet and it was $6,000 a month and we didn't have the money. Um, but I presented the, um, the option to the board um, and they are very prayerful board of directors. And they went back and prayed about it and just said, they came back and said, God made it clear to all of them individually that um, he showed them what he had in plan and that we are to stretch out our tent pegs and seize the land that I have shown you. And we are re to redeem that place from a place of death and darkness to one of light and life. We moved in thinking we were just going to repeat what happened, what we do in Bowie. And that wasn't the case at all. God had a totally other plan, but because our board was listening to him and obedient, even beyond the fact that we didn't have the money, but they felt like he would provide and he did. And he has continued to this day. Um, we had women calling us constantly. Hey, I'm here for my abortion. I'm downstairs. Can I come on up? And we're like, what? Why are they calling us? Like we knew that, So you know, on Google, it showed where the guy moved to. But that wasn't the case because ultimately God owns Google. And when women were typing in that abortion clinic, we were coming up. And so they were coming to see us. And that um, continued regularly for years. And still, I mean, we had, we had somebody last year that walked in again that had Googled and he had moved to the other place years ago. That was his name was Romeo Ferrar, and he was 
um, an abortionist that killed two women. And it wasn't until he killed the second one in an abortion before he lost his license. Um, thankfully, he's closed. Um, but that place continues to be a witness for that, Tracy. And you know how powerful um, the visual is um, for people as well. And so the room where those late term abortions were held, we have left as it is. And it's our prayer room. Um, and there's, it's covered with scriptures on the wall and it has a rug over the stains on the floor. Mm. It's so that we don't forget what took place there and that we don't stop fighting. Amen. The address of that place, Pam, do you know it off the top of your head? 650 Ritchie Highway. And it used to be called Gynecare? Yeah, it was Gynecare back then. It was Gynecare. Yeah, that was, as you know, we, we had this realization, I think, when we were having a conversation at one of the banquets that that exact spot that the pregnancy clinic moved into, um, that was where I had my abortion many years prior. And so um, I, I can't even put into words uh, just the, the, the hallelujah that wells up inside of me, you know, for what God has done how he's redeemed my story, how he has uh, used you and, and your organization to change so many lives, to save so many lives. And even right there in that very space, you know, taking, reclaiming uh, something that the enemy intended for, for evil and that he used for evil and, and God took it back. And I, man, you can't yeah. make this stuff up. No, you can't. I you can't make it up. So Bowie Crofton, Severna Park, and the other center is in Annapolis on West Street, 100 feet from Planned Parenthood, the last standing abortion clinic in Anne Arundel County. Strategic. Strategic. You you guys are right where you need to be. I, I don't know who's going to be listening to the this podcast. If it's going to be people that are going to be like we're, we're, you know, preaching to the choir and they're like, yeah, I'm so glad you guys are there. How can I get involved? How can I volunteer? Talk to those people. How would they reach out to you? Yeah. Well, I know, I know that you have a very broad listening area. So some people may be near us. Some people may not be, they'll be in other parts of Maryland and stuff. So um, I would say if this has touched anybody's heart that you should look and find um, the closest pregnancy clinic um, to you and look at getting involved. Um, in Maryland, um, pregnancy clinics are not, we're, we're not taking government money. We're not taking state money. We are entirely funded by individuals, churches, and organizations that want to see this support and care for women. And so um, it takes all of us. So, I, you know, the one thing we like to say is be that one, you know, because most women will say, if I had just one person that would walk alongside of me, I wouldn't have made that decision. I could have had the strength if I'd had somebody. You can be that one by volunteering. You can be that one by giving. You can be that one by praying. Um, and if you're near our Bowie or Severna Park or Annapolis office, we would love to have you. And that's at wellspringlife.org. But there are a lot of other pregnancy clinics in our, our coalition, especially, that offer ultrasound. Um, and that's in Western Maryland on the Eastern Shore, Southern Maryland. Baltimore, you name it, um, that would love to have your listeners reach out because they heard the story and the impact that pregnancy clinics like ours are making in the lives of women today. Mm. I, I hope, friends, that you'll um, 
pass that on if, if you know somebody that like oh yes this would be something that they'd like to get involved with and in helping um i also want to say too i mean like you you said it you're not taking government funding so there's always going to be a need for financial support we're not shy about asking for that um and again you can go to wellspringlife.org to find out mm -hmm. about how to make a donation also, Pam, you know, there may be people listening who find themselves in a crisis pregnancy. Uh, and more than anything, I know it's your heart and it's mine as well, that they would hear that what they will find when they walk in the doors of one of your centers is people who are there to tell them the truth and to love them. This is not a high pressure thing. This is not a guilt trip. This is people who really care um, about you and are going to love you. I hope that you hear that. Um, and and Pam, can you talk just briefly about some of the resources that you offer women who then, you know, make the choice to to choose life afterwards and some of the support that they need, they can actually get some help from your centers. Yeah. So if anybody is listening and, and you're not sure where your closest center is, I would encourage you to go to optionline.org and you can just put in your, your zip code and it'll show you the closest center and you can even see the resources they have. That's what we say. We're, we're the best um, no judgment zone that there is um, yeah. at our, at our, our clinics and um, they'll find all kinds of resources. We actually work with the state um, and the um, Inland County and Prince George's and offer STD, HIV testing and treatment um, free. Um, as well. Um, and um, we have those resources. We have our educational life sentence, over 20 different classes that you can learn as far as parenting and um, healthy relationships, um, baby bonding, learn how to, to do infant wow. massage with your baby. Um, we have classes for dads. Um, we have classes on, on um, especially after COVID, we were doing a lot of of support for people and so extra classes on potty training your your child and different things like that um during that time we also did um some outreach and workshops as far as um winsomely speaking about abortion if you want to learn how to how do you talk about this how do you do so in a winsome way you know get hold of us and we'll get you signed up for the the next abortion decision training is what we call it you know how to talk about that with someone as well. And then for those people that are listening that are like yourself, Tracy, post-abortive, mm -hmm. um, that there is always hope and healing for you um, in Christ. Um, you know, and, and we, um, you know, I would encourage you to go to different sources such as abortionchangesyou.com or go to our, our website, wellspringlife.org, and we have post-abortion support. Um, and you can always call our clinics and we can connect you with the closest center too, if you're not near to us. Um, but there is that, those services out there. They are available for people. They are free. And I know there are so many people out there that, that need healing. Um, I, I feel we talked about this too. I just feel like this is the big secret, um, secret sin of, of the church. There's so many women who are um, in the church and somehow their uh, relationship to the church they're, they're missing a big important piece there. And that is that Jesus came to take our shame and our sin away. And they're sitting in that shame. And uh, I just know that, you know, his, his death on the cross was enough to, to pay for that. Um, and so we just want to see people set free from that sin and that shame to trust 
Jesus with it and to find some hope and some healing. So the more that we normalize healthy conversation about it, you know, hopefully um, set some people free. And and we don't want to leave the men out of this conversation either because they've experienced uh, the trauma and the pain as well. And I know that you, you care for them as well. Yeah. Um, we actually started our uh, men's post-abortion group last year. We've run two of them so far. Wow. Just for men. So it's separate from the women's. Yeah. That's amazing. That just it's it's just the the whole picture there that you you guys are covering. Pam, what do you want your legacy to be? I think there's a song out right now that talks about a legacy, um, and I really really just wanted to point to Jesus because it wasn't me. I just simply said yes and was willing to be a tool in His hand. It, it's all been Him. This is this is His ministry, and I think. I know that our board holds that lightly too, that we all do, um, that we're willing to say, yes, Lord, yes, use me, yes, um, but that it is him um, and that he will supply He will supply our needs, that he can use us as broken vessels, Tracy, you know that, yes. different ways in people's lives. Um, and just that I had the honor and the privilege of being that person um, in that seat um, but that it's, it's all, it's all about Jesus. Mm. Pam Palumbo, you are um, amazing and you are a bright light um, and your life points right to him. Uh, and I, I just, I thank God for you. Thank God for the example that you are of uh, relentless, steadfast um, work on something that I know really matters to God. I thank God that you never gave up. <laughs> That you were just, you know, you're in it, you're in it, you're in it. Um, I and just kept saying yes every six months. <laughs> <laughs> right. Our six month assignment, 40 years later. 40 years later, yeah. You know, 40 years, there's a lot of 40 years in the Bible. <laughs> you know, there is. How much longer do you think you'll keep doing this, Pam? Do you have boundless energy? You know, um, I talk about the fact that it still makes me cry. I, I still... Um, there's a few things, you know, I've kind of set like certain things that, that I want to accomplish, yeah. um, just before I pass that, I want to pass the baton well, um, you know, and there's certain things that I, that I want to have done so that they aren't leaving on that next person that, that he's got planned, um, praying for that next person, whoever that might be praying that he's preparing them, praying that he's preparing our board. Um, because it's a very different ministry that we're passing on than I walked into. Um, and I know he is, I believe he will. Um, so I don't have, I don't have like a number to put on there that that number does get smaller, whatever it was, it's much smaller than it was a few years ago. Um, <laughs> um, and there's some days where I'm like, Oh, I think tomorrow maybe. Um, <laughs> and other days I'm like, no, I'm good. I got this for a while. Um, but I know he'll, he'll make that clear. Uh, you know, there's like other things in, in my life. I've just even asked him like, make it clear, like make it clear when I'm done having babies, make it clear when I'm done with this. And he has, so I believe he will. And he'll make it very clear when it's time to say, okay, the time is now. Well, and as always, you just, um, you're his girl. And so you're going to do what he says to do. Um, what an example. What an example. I thank God for you. And, um, I, you know, I just, I, I love you dearly. Thanks for spending some time with me today to talk about something that is so very close to my heart. 
um, as well. And I'm praying for your ministry and for you, for God to just keep giving you uh, the strength and the vision um, to keep taking more ground back for life and to see more lives healed. Um, Yeah. And that's where Tracy, I so, I cannot tell you how so thankful I am for you for um, surrendering that secret about your abortions for women to hear that that mm-hmm. they can they can gain that strength and they can surrender and receive that healing that so many are still sitting in our church pews and have not and that's so crucial and to have someone like you that that has the influence in the audience that you do for women to hear that and and I'm hoping that you're going to um when this does broadcast that women are going to hear this and and they're going to be able to respond to you and say thank you for the strength that you showed because you gave me the strength to share my story. Mm. I hope so. From from our lips to God's ears, um, I offer up my story. I love the way that you put that. Surrender your secret. That might end up being the name of this podcast episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's actually a great post-abortion book, even that's written about that and about the secret that so many women women, women hold. So, and oftentimes, even when I talk to pastors, I'm like, just give them the permission. Just give them permission that it doesn't have to be a secret. Thank you, Pam. I I love you. God bless you. you. Mm, Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We are grateful that you are part of our Your Day Brighter community. Your Day Brighter is produced by me, Tracy Tiernan, for Brighter Media Group. Our executive producer is John Lawhon and our wonderful production team. We've got Todd Gaddy, Caroline Burke, Aaron Branham, and Joel Lawhon. So grateful for all of you. Now, I, I promised you that I was going to wrap up the podcast by playing my song that I shared in the very beginning, a little snippet of it. It's called Baby. And it was really my way of processing my own um, pain from my abortion and thinking about the great redemptive work of the Lord in my life and what I really believe. Well, I I put it to music. Um, I hope it brings hope and healing to you as well. And um, we're just going to wrap up the, the podcast by playing this song for you. Um, remember, if you're um, enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone that you know it would encourage. Leave a review if you're able, because that helps other people to find it too. And as always, tell somebody your story today, or better yet, ask to hear theirs. This is my song, Baby, from Late Bloomer. I don't think of you Maybe In space outside of time You think of me too Well I know that you forgive me Because you live with the sun mm-hmm. And he's told you all about me And the battle that he won So I could come Be with you At the table 
Think of you. 